Welcome to Earth Matters, bringing you environment and social justice stories. Today's story was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri, the Canberra region, and also the Yuan Nation around the south coast. For Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne, Nam, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network, I'm Beck Horridge. We have a sovereign right which has not been ceded through session, through treaty or through any agreement in this country. Therefore, this country has been occupied illegally and we've been saying that. Uncle Albert Hartnett. Today in Earth Matters, we talk to Sylvia Gunn from the Australian Student Environment Network and Uncle Albert Hartnett, a Wankamara man who was a guest at the network's training camp. I'm here with Sylvie from the Australian Student Environment Network. Sylvie, what is the Australian Student Environment Network? The Australian Student Environment Network, or ASEN, is an anti-capitalist, anti-colonial, pro-environment network of students and other young people who conduct education and training through conferences and workshops, training weekends, and we build connections with and between communities, including First Nations groups. We participate in collective action and we produce educational materials like zines or documents on how to run workshops. So we, one of the, our biggest events is SOS, but we also run training camps from time to time uh, where we're really trying to bring together First Nations elders with young people, students and other people who want to learn to really empower them to be really great advocates in the broader environmental movement and decolonisation movement. This year, our training camp was held from the 4th of October to the 7th at Kiola Coastal Campus on Maramalang land of the Yuan Nation. So that's situated about 2.5 hours east of Canberra and um, 30 minutes northeast of Batemans Bay on the coast of New South Wales. It was a really great long weekend for students and other people to share information about theories of change, about current campaigns, and, you know, really learn from each other and from some of the special guests we got along. So we had a few different First Nations elders from around the country who we were able to fund to come over, and they ran workshops and talked with us around the campfire, and it was really an opportunity to learn from them and build solidarity. Really, Azen likes to tackle often ignored aspects of the space that environmental people who aren't concerned about the environment work in. Like one of the workshops that for me was really exciting was about political economy and dissecting what neoliberal economics is and how it really rules over a lot of our lives. And also workshops about decolonizing the environmental movement and making sure that when we're talking about the environment and talking about protecting it, it's not just about what's happening globally, it's about what's happening in your backyard as well, because that's often where you can have the biggest impact. You know, one of the things that I think often falls behind, and I think for Azen, it's about getting students and getting people who want to learn so that we can have those hard conversations and really get that focus back to connecting with 
the different communities that have been fighting for, for fighting for the environment and fighting for justice on this land for centuries. Yeah, I, I learned a lot at AZAN. I've been in the conservation movement for 30 years and yet I find my mind being opened by lots of ideas. Uncle Albert Hartnett is a long-time Aboriginal activist and rights defender, campaigning against the intervention in the Northern Territory and the removal of communities in Western Australia, which he says is genocidal in its implications. Uncle Albert has also fought for Aboriginal housing and rights. And after the mass fish kills in the Murray-Darling Basin in February 2019, he was one of the protesters who poured a bucket of dead fish onto the ground outside the Sydney office of New South Wales Regional Water Minister Niall Blair, urging him to change the way the system is run and pointing to mismanagement of the rivers and lack of understanding of the urgency of the situation. My name's Albert Hartnett. I'm a Wankamara man from the southwest uh, Queensland country, northeast New South Wales and southeast South Australia. My country extends across the three states. I live in, currently live in Sydney. I'm an Aboriginal activist and fight all heartedly to try and improve the best results I can for Indigenous peoples. You've come as a guest to the Australian Student Environment Network conference and I sat in on a workshop where you really had some good ideas about how we white people can be better accomplices with Indigenous people as they go through these incredible struggles to protect country? Yeah, look, I think it's a question of um, how do we best become accomplices in a sense where we unite to protect and preserve the most precious commodity that we have as human beings, and that's life. You know, we've been fighting this fight for rights for Aboriginal people for a long time. The current political system doesn't cater to Aboriginal peoples, it doesn't cater to our needs of dispossession, doesn't cater to the needs of displacement, it doesn't cater to the needs of our trauma-related issues. And Aboriginal communities are suffering wholeheartedly and it's about time we started to look at not what Aboriginal people have been fighting for, but about the principles of what we've been fighting for. Everything that we've been fighting for over years of our activism has been for the rights to be able to make decisions about what happens on our countries. My country is being raped and pillaged and plundered by mining corporations for coal in the Hunter Valley region and for gas in my Wankamara country. These countries are being exploited for their natural resources. We've been fighting for the rights to be able to stop those industries from destroying our land and destroying what is precious to us, taking away our rights of possession and rights of ownership and rights of governance over those countries. We wish to restore our rights over those countries. We have a sovereign right which has not been ceded through session, through treaty or through any agreement in this country. 
Therefore, this country has been occupied illegally, and we've been saying that. And we've been screaming it out to the non-Indigenous populations for many years. Now that this, these injustices that we've been fighting against as Aboriginal people are now impacting on the non-Indigenous populations because the mining industries have now reduced the ability of non-Indigenous peoples and the whole of humanity to survive. It is reducing our capacity to be able to sustain our living environments for periods of time that will sustain humanity. This is a catastrophe. This is a crisis that will see the death of humanity and it has to be avoided. The only way that it can be avoided is through a united stand with humanity. It's not about being Aboriginal. It's not about being non-Indigenous. It's not about being a coloniser or an, or an invader. It's about us as human beings restoring our capacity to be able to make decisions about our lifestyles, predetermine it ourselves and restore the communal values that make us valuable to our environments. And in turn, we make the environments valuable to us. So we've got to stand united in our fight against this climate crisis. And we have many people across the world now that are fighting against these climate injustices. And it's the indigenous populations that will assist the reversal process of this crisis. It's the indigenous populations that have the teachings and the education to be able to learn the non-indigenous populations, how to be able to manage land appropriately, how to manage it effectively so that it does reap benefits for the community and we protect and preserve the integrity of our environment and we then learn to share the, the spoils of that environment so that we sustain our living in, um, environment and we restore or we reduce the threat and the risk of human extinction. You were saying in the workshop that we can be better accomplices by assisting traditional owners to find their own power. So do you want to try and wrap any words around what that means? Uh, look, like I said, we, we, we have unceded sovereignty that still exists over these countries. That means that we have never surrendered our voice, our authority, our rights of governance over our lands. Through colonisation and the traumatic processes that have taken place and the genocidal actions that have enhanced the invasion process, Aboriginal people had suffered. But we have started to gain strength, we have started to gain commitment again in our countries. And we wish to restore our, our rights over our countries. That will mean that we restore our governing systems that were in place prior to colonisation. If we can have the support of non-Indigenous populations in establishing and creating a framework of governance, a framework that allows Aboriginal people 
to be able to assert their sovereignty over their countries and assist in the in a process that allows collaboration with non-Indigenous populations, we start to look at dismantling the colonial system of oppression, which is the Australian Parliament. The Australian Parliament has failed the Australian people since its inception in 1901. When they had failed to exclude or include Aboriginal people within their racist Australian doctrine, which is the Australian Constitution, they had failed. They had failed to provide the democratic voice that they have shown or have said to you, you have. Australia, if Aboriginal people can't live as Aboriginal people in this country and assert their sovereign rights over their rights and countries, then Australian people do not have democracy. It has to be restored, and the only way that it can be restored is if non-Indigenous people support and, and help establish the, a, a structural foundations of a sovereign governance that allows us to be able to invite non-Indigenous people to collaborate on how we best proceed to further on a, on a journey that allows us to protect and preserve our countries and our living environment and, and, and restore our communal values again. We wish to dismantle the colonial governing administration. It is a failed system, it's an illegal system, it is a system that has not given the Australian people what it deserves. And that is restoring the First Nation people's responsibilities over their lands through their sovereign rights. If they restore our sovereign rights and they acknowledge the past injustices, then that allows for a good communication process to begin and we can start to look at establishing a collaborative process. A collaborative process that allows us to sit down, negotiate and consult on issues and look at ways that uh, a governing framework can work in terms of Aboriginal people making decisions at a local level on their own countries and then participating in further decisions at regional, state and federal levels as well. So if Aboriginal people and non-Aboriginal people can sit down and talk about those issues and how such uh, an administration can work within an Australian societal context, then we start to begin that long journey towards um, building up the strength and um, solidarity in tackling the uh, climate injustices, the human injustices, and start to really offer an equitable and just society for everyone to live in. Uncle Albert Hartnett at the Australian Student Environment Network training camp calling for non-Indigenous people to support and help establish structural foundations of a sovereign governance. You're with Earth Matters. I'm Beck Horridge. Yeah, I'm sort of seeing into myself here that me and other people we taught, we also say sovereignty never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. And yet I really, it's like, do I in, turn that into what is the next step for me as a white person? 
who came here as a child. It's like, what is the what is the next step for us both in this journey? Well, well, to be harsh and and and, and real and and truthful. If white people would have supported Aboriginal people when they began their activism in, in claiming their rights over their countries, we would not be in the crisis we're in at the moment. If anyone in this world is going to tackle the industries that are destroying our lands and our ability to survive, then we need to be able to support a group of such we should be able to look at ways from our past experiences that gives us light and justice. It gives us something that we can aim towards. Too many times we've had people tell us that we have no worth, we have no value. I, as a human being, feel that I do have worth. I do have value. And I think if we create a space for people to be able to contribute that worth and that value. Then we start to look at building a society that does look after the interests of all and not just look at the industries that give benefits and financial gain to corporations and to companies because those benefits do not flow down to the individual. Yeah, look, being a, being a part of um, uh, the Australian Student Environment Network, I think, has been, been an eye-opener. I think it shows that there are a lot of concerned people about, out there about what's happening in the political spectrum. And I think the way that the world is, is, is currently running and looking at all the... the Killings, all the murders, all the things that are happening out there in a, in a, in a human sense that like there's no compassion, there's no humanity, there's no sympathy for anything. It's all about success and financial gain and financial freedom. It's creating a lot of mental uneasiness amongst people. You know, we have systemic pressures from government institutions that are racially killing our people in custody, that are still stealing our children, that are still looking to steal our countries and lands, and they are using methods and means that are dividing communities. And these are openly exposed. It's been openly exposed for a number of years, and everybody just sits idle, complacent with the way things are going, and we put up with the adversity. We put up with the drama. We put up with the pain and the trauma of corporate and commercial corruption. And we, as humanity, bear the brunt of their inadequacies. That isn't a fair and just and equitable society. It never will be. And it will never survive under colonial impression. We have to dismantle the system that oppresses others 
and we have to create a system that allows others to be able to value and contribute their worth. With the adversities of commercial industries and the corporate industries, we are starting to see that all the fights that Aboriginal people have been fighting for all them years have now come to a stage where it's the non-Indigenous populations now that have to look at supporting Indigenous peoples and restoring their capacity to be able to determine what happens on their countries. And in turn, they will reap benefits that will sustain their life and not reduce their capacity. Uncle Albert Hartnett. Now here's Sylvia Gunn from the Australian Student Environment Network. SOS, or Students of Sustainability, is a bit like a big ASIN training camp. It runs for a week. This time it's going to be January 13th to 17th in Sydney, the Sydney University Cumberland campus in Lidcombe. Basically, it's a convergence of students and people who want to learn about like decolonising the environmental movement, things like political economy um, and the current campaigns that are happening. And there'll be workshops on all kinds of things. There's workshops on screen printing or theatre for the climate, uh, workshops where you're just sitting around a campfire talking about all the different things you don't know about Aboriginal people. It's, yeah, this really great week where people come together and learn a lot in a community that I think facilitates learning a lot more than universities actually do. You know, I heard you've been taking water, drinking water, to Walgut, where they're running out of it. What is that about? So something that a lot of people aren't aware of in the drought in New South Wales is that there are communities, primarily Aboriginal communities, that actually have no clean drinking water. And we were kind of brought in by this organisation, FIRE, um, Fighting in Resistance Equally, who have been running water basically to these communities. I went on one of the first runs we did from Canberra and we collected a bunch of water from the major supermarkets and took it out there in trailers. One of the runs after that, people actually took up water filters and put them on the taps of all the people who we'd been bringing water to so that they didn't need to be reliant on these deliveries of water so much. But it's a travesty, really, to see just how dry it is out there and to see how much these people have been abandoned, um, particularly when you see that there are these cotton farms that have been springing up all over New South Wales and they've been getting the priority for that water over the actual communities who need it to drink. So, yeah, it's totally being looked at the wrong way and... You know, it's great that we were able to go out there and take these people water, but ultimately it should be something that the government is should be doing, and that's, I think, part of why we need to be doing that immediate frontline work, and we also need to be pushing for that kind of change. So, yeah, the water runs were a really great time to directly help people and also see the issue in more detail. It's pretty basic taking clean drinking water to people, but that was kind of, to me, a little bit example of being an accomplice rather than an alliance, actually helping people with their basic needs rather than just ranting on about ecology and trying to save ecology, which is so important. But, of course, for First Nations people, often they have other fish to fry. There are other things that are important, like getting clean drinking water. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you need to support people to be able to live their lives and you need to be willing to do that hard yakka rather than just trying to be um, the person who's always vocal about it. You need to be willing to step in where it's really practical, not necessarily so that you can get a um, gold sticker or something, but so that you can actually help the work get done. Just like the way you step in to support any friend or mate or family. Absolutely. That was Sylvia Gunn from the Australian Student Environment Network. You've been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced in the studios of Radio 2XX Canberra on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri peoples for Radio 3CR in Melbourne in Wurundjeri country and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. And if you'd like to get in touch with Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page on Earth Matters 3CR Radio or follow us on Twitter at EarthMRadio. If you'd like to listen to or share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. That's all for today's show. Thanks so much for sharing this time with us. The Earth Matters team will be back next week with more environmental and social justice stories. Now let's take Earth Matters out with Winnie Arta playing at the AZEN training camp. Yeah, so it's a song of some of the canoes that left Hawaii. And uh, hoya means keep rowing and keep going. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's about a thousand years old, this song. Oh